Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show one, one, two, two, three, four. Big Val's here tonight. Real talk, dynamite. Thanks for listening. It's good to be together. Stupid hearts love forever. Let's look inside our minds. Welcome to Stupid Hearts Club with me, Nico Tatarovich, and this week's guest, Director Jim Field Smith. He does good things. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to, uh, I think this is the 70th classic episode of Stupid Hearts Club. And I am doing this one using my new Zoom, well, old, Zoom recorder in the wild, sitting on the river, not on the river, not on a lilo, I just mean on a bench looking at a river near Kew Bridge, under the flight path, near the traffic. Can you hear that? That's what you call atmosphere. Get used to it. I have with me a very good friend of mine, um, got no context for him whatsoever. Who are you again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sat with an excellent friend, an excellent director, writer. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Acting? Not really anymore. Not anymore. All right, mainly director. Yeah. Director and writer. The brilliant Jim Field Smith. How are you, sir? I'm good. We're sitting here. It's early October, but it's like it's the middle of July. Yeah. Which um on the it's it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It is. Cuz on the one hand it's balmy. Yeah. It's balmy as fuck. Yeah. It's but it's balmy. But it's balmy. It's balmy. But on the other hand, it shouldn't be. No, which is balmy in the other. Yeah. So it's a double-edged balm. Um but I'm going to I'm going to take the positives. We, can, we might have to for now, mm. because there might not be any after a <laughs> while, in, in another five years. Hey, yeah. do you remember the positives? We'll be saying, won't we? <laughs> do you remember that time we sat there and we were like, oh, this is nice, but it wasn't, was it? It wasn't nice, it was the end. Is that a good way to start a little chat? Yeah, sure. Um, it's lovely here, by the way, just if I can paint a picture for the listener. Or I might not need to, because you fucking hear everything. If you can, pa- if I can paint a picture, we've got um, some very sweet little houseboats next to Kew Bridge. It's it's sort of a quintessentially English view, isn't it? Although you could be anywhere because they have bridges and water in other countries, don't they? They don't do it the same, though, do they? They don't. 
It's um, um, it's it is a weird scene though because it's autumnal. The leaves have turned. There's mm. brown leaves on the floor. Yeah. And, and yet I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. And yet you're wearing a Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. And it's about it's like mid twenties. Yeah. Um, so it's confusing, but I don't mind it for a Sunday. It's it's not a bad vibe. It's like a dream actually, isn't it? And I've only had two sips of my pints. So I'm sure that isn't booze, but there is something very odd about this. But um, everyone else who's listening knows that because they've got windows and they're outside their house or they're outside their house mm. and then the windows are you know you can look into the house but why would you do that and they could be listening to this in like December <laughs> yeah well, and it's yeah. even hotter <laughs> when it's like in mid 40s yeah and we're going take the positives <laughs> which the first barbecue we've ever had at Christmas <laughs> take the positives um so Jim I have um, somehow sort of snaked myself into your life a little bit more in the last few months, haven't I? We've known each other a while. When did we first meet? Uh, probably early 2000s, I would say. Yeah. Um, Agreed. We made um, just some silly things together, didn't we? Yeah. Um, wrote, I think we came across each other because you were writing some bits for a silly website that Oh. We were running at the time. I think that was it. Were you running it? What was it called? Choose Wire. Oh, yeah. I, d- I did a little bit of stuff for that. Yeah, yeah. And loads of people that have gone on to do lovely bits and pieces, like David Earl was oh, contributing really? towards it. Yeah. Bloody hell, yeah. Um, Bloody hell, I would never have remembered that. Uh, but it was just a, you know, it was just a sort of silly hobby at the time. And, and then we made a... Um, a short film together. Yeah. Um, improvised. Improvised short film together. And actually, if I'm honest, that was the first, the very first time, other than putting a camcorder on and dicking around and never showing it anyone until I met you and George. Yeah. Um, George Kay, who's a brilliant writer, who Jim works with. Um, it was actually through hanging out with George and meeting you and that, that it was like, all right, so there's other people that they're at the amateur end of mucking around and yeah. it's something might be funny and doing it and so we yeah man I would never have remembered that but basically it was hanging out with George and going for a pint where he had the confidence to say yeah that's funny why don't we do a thing yeah. you know like and it doesn't matter we don't know what it is yet but if we just you know that thing you do why don't we just get yeah. capture that on camera because that's how George and I started basically yeah right you know, how we, old were you when you met George K? 13 really yeah um we were um, we were involved in a school production together of Under Milkwood. <laughs> right. And George was in it. Yeah. And I was doing the lighting. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> um, quite serious. It was serious. I'm getting Rushmore vibes. It was vibes. serious. Um, um, but we just kind of bonded over a sort of shared silly sense of humour, really. And then we did a few different sort of plays and things together and we both were really into our art and we sort of started sitting next to each other in in art and where just, it all starts isn't it yeah it is it just, really is just stupid shared humor about yeah. stuff that's meaningless really but mm. then yeah that was the kind of kernel of but you found a frequency that had, yeah, where you've absolutely. got that thing which all best mates have Absolutely. I think most best mates are a, are a double act in a way. 
Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, you've got you to know? vibrate at the same frequency, exactly. But different levels. I mean, you get the two guys. Remember the Foster's ads with those two Aussie blokes? Yeah. That's the bottom end. That's most people, I would say. I would say, actually, you don't want to vibrate at the same frequency. You need to harmonise, right? The, so, well, yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just two of the same. Yeah, well, that's what that is, isn't it? Um, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you and you and George clipped. Am I right? Didn't I'm sure one of you's told me before that you early early forays into sort of like trying to like capture something before we called it content is that you didn't you try and do like not pranks but stuff in the street and we we yeah not really not really pranks so much but we George had a camcorder <laughs> and um, we used to just. I honestly couldn't even remember what it was that we did, but I remember that we we had a camcorder and we just used to like um, film stuff around London and just like add commentaries to things. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, sort of create characters for people that weren't aware that we were filming them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Really inappropriate. Stalking, really. yeah, stalking. <laughs> yeah, criminal. Baby. But back when it was cool. Yeah. Um, and we didn't really know what to do with it, but it was just a way of. You knew there was some relationship between what you were looking at, yeah. you being funny and wanting to say something and do something, yeah. and somehow I finding a way to meld it together. But it's like you don't know yeah, at that age what, what a sort of idea is yet. Yeah, I think we enjoyed the sort of the disparity, creating a disparity between what you were seeing and what you were saying. Yeah. So we, there was definitely a lot of our early material was very much about like playing with the playing with the difference between picture and sound I suppose yeah. um, one of the first things we made together was a uh, a faux documentary called Missing Moscow oh I remember um, where we filmed um, we sort of recruited a group of Russian immigrants living in London yeah with the help of a Russian speaking um, assistant producer that we found and we just filmed them documentary style fly on the yeah. wall going about their days and we asked them questions yeah. via um, Yeva, this this Russian AP that we found, mm. and um, we obviously didn't and don't speak Russian. Yeah. Um, but we just liked the idea of collecting mm. a load of footage. Yeah. And then after that looks the fact, like what documentary footage is. Yeah, it was it was kind of a parody on documentary making. Yeah. Um, the whole thing was. In a wanky way, the whole thing was a kind of commentary on how documentary makers will sometimes decide what the outcome of their documentary is going to be before they've actually yeah, made yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we liked the idea that a group of documentary makers, us, mm. had decided that Russian immigrants in London must be lonely and yeah, missing yeah. Moscow, missing home. Yeah. And uh, the, the the questions that we were asking them were all. But you you must be missing. Yeah, right? loaded to yeah, what you very, want the story yeah, yeah, to be. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we told everyone involved that that was going to be the case. There was no sort of subterfuge in that sense. We, um, and then we yeah, we just we just edited it together, and then we just wrote the subtitles to what we oh wanted. Man, it was it fucking be. funny. And I don't think I've ever laughed as much with George <laughs> or on anything, making anything, as we did yeah. sitting in my crappy little flat in yeah. Tulse Hill in South London yeah. with a little VHS combi unit with all the rushes mm. yeah. 
just literally watching stuff going what could he be saying there yeah yeah what could she be saying there what yeah, could that's, that be that's what does pure, that sound man. a bit like oh that so is pure. so pure and i think that's what working in the industry regardless yeah. of where you're at at any point if you're you're dealing with the machine that likes stuff made for it for for proper people who give you money and put things on telly you will you are very unlikely to get anywhere near that purity no because you're what's that what's that statement about art that the moment you're making it for someone else it's not art anymore right, that's a shame um <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh, shit really yeah because i've made you this and well you've made me this we're making this <laughs> No, but I was pretending that I'd made some art. Oh, okay, sorry. But I hadn't sorry, qualified my, it. My yes, oh, I've made you this sculpture. It's so if I give it you, it's not art. But if I take no, it home, no. If and I it, commission it, it's not art. Right. Well, take it or leave it, mate. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> I didn't ask you to make it, so therefore it is art. You've not even said what it is yet. <laughs> well, what it is, and this may surprise you, mm. and it may also surprise you. Well, yeah. Um, I- it's a papier-mâché. Yeah. I assume that's how you've made it. Well, go on. It's a papier-mâché... Time will tell. Um, ...figurine. <laughs> yeah. Well spotted. Um, it's only about two inches tall. <laughs> One way of putting it. And it's um, it's a, it's a, it's the statue of Christ the Redeemer. Yeah. That you may have seen. I'm glad seen, you got that. That you may have seen. Well, it, what helped is you'd written that underneath. Well... Yeah, well, I'm glad you saw, Otherwise you saw that. Otherwise, I would not have known what it was. No. I mean, but the qu- isn't the question, why is it two inches tall? What am I saying? Um, I think it's because you've, you've either run out of... Run out of paper. You've either run out of PVA glue <laughs> yeah, or, you, or you've run out of newspaper. I only had one I had only had only one little block of post-it notes to make it, mm. so... They do say and print is it, dead, and maybe... Maybe I've killed that's it. That's the commentary that you're making. Well, maybe it is. So, now is it art? You've yeah. made it sound more like art than it is. I, I never said it wasn't art. That's the problem with you lot. <laughs> Clever people. I never said it wasn't art. I said if we if I'd commissioned it, then it wouldn't be art. Is it too I late? Is it too this. late for me to ask for a commission? <laughs> <laughs> because I've implied that I might like it. Well, it might be nice to make a contribution, <laughs> like an honesty box. Yeah. Uh, the post-it notes. Well, I had to buy a four-pack, so that was three ninety-nine. And I only used the yellow ones because it mm-hmm. just felt right. Mm-hmm. And um, the PVA, you try finding PVA in anything less than five litres. So that was eight ninety nine. So, so what's it, the total? on mat- material, well, I don't, I'm, I, I don't think about maths. I'll say the numbers, but I'm not doing the maths, mate, okay. because I'm, I'm not a math. Me to do the I'm not a mathsist. I'm an artist. Do you want me to do the maths, <laughs> please? What's four add nine? It's Thirteen, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Just say it. It's yeah, 13. It's 13, yeah. And what's 13? A pint? No, I mean, what, you know, in, in culture. What's unlucky. Thir- there you go. Unlucky Christ. You see what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So everyone, yeah, everyone laughs and says, what's this piece of shit? And then yeah. I've got a reason. It's the 13 pound Christ. It's like this, the, the, the joke is the exact amount of money it costs to make the art. Mm. And isn't that how it is now? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'll take unlucky Jesus and I will... <laughs> Treasure him. Yeah. I would put him somewhere not important because Away otherwise... Su- direct sunlight. Well, yeah. But <laughs> that, that, but also just nowhere where, you know, let's just say, I don't want him to bring you bad luck and then you sort of 
come you like if you phone me tomorrow and say uh flats flooded it's like the beginning of a jim carrey movie <laughs> <laughs> unlucky jesus yeah now see this is how it works yeah. this is how m- movies are born is it sure a bit didn't you do a movie called butter at I one did, point yeah so that what how's that any worse than how's that any better than this it isn't <laughs> <laughs> what? If you've seen it, oh right, I've not. I'm, no, I'm sorry to say that because I was very proud of you when it was like, oh my yeah, god, no, it's, have it, you I, heard? I, I, Jim's I, actually shooting a movie. Yeah, that was the second movie I made, and uh, yeah, I'm very proud of it in lots of ways. But it was a, a tricky one. Funny enough, it was about butter carving in the Midwest. It was about people trying to make art out of um, so yellow commerce. figurines. A lot of yellow figurines. We um, all live in a... Don't say it, because I haven't got the rights to that. Okay. But you've already sung half of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but who knows? Jim Field-Smith, you've been working in TV and film for the last 15, 20 years. Yep. Big gap there. 19, 20? 15, 16? Which is closer? Uh, 19, 20, probably. Right. Well, the last thing I made was called Hijack. Oh, hello. For Start Apple with TV. a big one. Yeah. Um, you may or may not have heard of that. I have indeed. It's a it's a hit, isn't it? Yeah, people seem to like it, and it, um, it's fucking ace, mate. You know, it, what what constitutes a hit in an era where there's so much stuff and things, everything's so transient. You know, you're on to the next big show as a, as a viewer yeah. we're on to the next big show so quickly yeah um, you know we brought that show out this summer and certainly for a while it was um, the show everyone seemed to be talking about yeah but A when you're in the bubble of having made it you, you think that anyway you think that anyway yeah and then but it ends up not think, being true like all the stuff I've done <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I think uh, it's hard to know you know, you spend like two odd years making these shows and then it, if you're lucky and people watch it and like it, that's great. But then within weeks, it's about something else. Oh, yeah, it's just know. gone. But, yeah. I mean, it can't ever be anything other than that. It's, no. That's the weird thing of like having all this ambition and working really hard to get into something that's very, very, very hard to pull off at all, but even harder to pull off at the level that I think, to me, you and George have done the best work of like my peers and people I met since I moved to London with a shiny dream and an apple in my face. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you've done like high caliber, high production value, really cool stuff where you've actually, you know, stuff actually fucking happens. It isn't just like some tawdry fucking format or a sitcom that's just based based around where one of the characters is a sofa <laughs> right you've always so I'm always just writing this down it sounds pretty good <laughs> yeah. you've always had a, a proper thing you know like a proper idea or like mm. an angle that immediately you it's pleasing you know you know uh that the thing's going to give something right mm-hmm. that's the way i always seen it so i've always been very very sort of bitter but happy <laughs> happily bitter on behalf of both of you and um it was it was weird because like if you think back to what you said before when you said that uh, early on there was that that little website, fucking hell, like, it's so amazing thinking that. I'd love to. Is that does that still exist anywhere? I have no idea. Probably somewhere. Probably, it's probably yeah. shamefully embarrassing as well. I bet it isn't. You know, 
I reckon it would have been pretty funny. So choose wire. It, I guess at that point there was the beginnings of a couple of things. That, I don't know whether this links up to people we knew, but do you remember the thing that like Char, um, Charlie Brooker? That mm-hmm. that was a website that yep. TV go home. Yeah. That was a website. Wasn't yeah, it? and that's kind of I suppose we were doing it in that same yeah. era and that and that Viz was an and and the Onion was was really starting to kick off around that time and they were definitely like big influences for us. But back then, I would have seen you two and all of, lots of other people we know and like you were in a sketch group called mm-hmm. the Dutch Elm Conservatoire, who were very very funny. Thank you, Rufus Jones, Dan Renton Skinner, Steve Evans, Jordan Long, yeah, and me and you, right? And I, I, I don't think I'd ever seen like mates doing a sketch group. I don't think I knew what that was yet. Mm. I moved to London to see what what is comedy. Where does it come from? Yeah. Where does the comic strip come from? Who were where? What? How did? What did Smith and Jones do before they were on the telly? I had no fucking idea. Yeah. I knew there was stand up because you've seen like Billy Connolly and Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy and whatever. And I knew there was sketch shows, but I was like, how do you? What's? I just I had no concept of it. So within like a year of moving to London, I've met George, and then he's gone. Oh, come and watch, come and watch Dutch Elm. I'm like you know at the Soho Theatre it was actually, and I was like, oh, you like a bunch of people. I who can all be find better each- than this. It, so they, these these guys are terrible. Yeah, this is fucking dre- This is awful. Oh, so you can sit around in your fucking kitchen with your mate, and yeah. go, what would be funny? And you can go and stand in front of people and act that out. And you are now doing sketch comedy or a character or whatever. Yeah. And, it, and it all sort of started to make sense on that level. But then all of those other people and all the other people I was meeting, like from meeting you lot on Outwards, like there's a scene, there's Edinburgh, Edinburgh Festival. There's like, started going to gigs and seeing what other people were doing. But I felt like right from that, from the, what was the Moscow thing called? Missing Moscow. Missing in Moscow, the short film, which I went to the screening of that in East London. Oh, right, yeah. Right, at a little cinema in Bow, right? Yeah, we did a Raindance East film That's festival. It. Yeah. Right. Which, so that was another thing. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Make a little thing off your own bat. Yeah. Put it into a little, I'm like, what's a festival? It's yeah. like a cinema will have a day where they screen a bunch of things from up and coming people. Yeah. Brilliant, noted. That's a way yeah. to, to, you know, that's a direction to send an idea in. You so were like Stig like, of the Dump, weren't you? I was. <laughs> or or Daryl Hannah in Splash. <laughs> But uh, but I would let I would not have my hair over my my uh, breasts. You'd have short hair. Yeah, because I just had short hair and no breasts. <laughs> but I've now <laughs> ironically so I've actually got breasts. Yeah. But they're like uh, basically because of crisps. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> a bit of a tangent there. But um, so anyway, what I was saying was that I could see from missing in Moscow onwards that what you the way you two were thinking was in a parallel universe to Edinburgh shows and sketch groups trying to get sketch shows on telly and then sitcoms and whatever, right? Mm. And I've watched that play out and it's brilliant. So I'm trying to think in my head, when was the next time it was like... The biggest thing it feels like to me that... And it's quite a few years later, so there might be stuff in between. Yeah. But then when when Stag was Mm -hmm. happening... What year's Stag? Uh, t- 2012, something like right, that. Right, okay, so that is... 13, maybe? So that's a good 10 years in. Mm. 
was there what what was there before that bit well that was like? well what happened was um around about the time we first met i was doing the stuff you described just like mucking around making little radio sketches and recording stuff and that that kind of escalated into slightly more formalized things like like missing moscow and and then simultaneously the sketch group was kind of having some success mm. and um george and i made a couple of short films one was called goodbye to the normals and the oh, other one was right. called where have i been all your life uh, and those yeah. two short films were basically right. the stepping the, the proper stepping stones towards people actually taking us seriously as, yeah, as yeah. like people that could able be, to deliver someone on yeah, screen exactly and then yes they were both but, fucking but great but then basically I sort of short circuited what might have been a a slightly longer staircase that's a bit of a mixed metaphor but you know what I yeah. mean I sort of slightly short circuited the next step because um, those short films kind of got onto the radar of um, the producers and the studios in LA oh right and for lots Jesus. of reasons and partly it was that the first one we made Goodbye to the Normals was quite short it was about three minutes long Steve First Steve First Juliet Cowan and a kid called Alfie Field no relation who was you know this kid was great and George wrote this very funny script that had a a really solid concept to it and a punchline yeah and we made it we shot it on film which was quite unusual and um, it was funded by Robbie Williams of was all it? people because he brought out an album which I think even by his own admission he would admit was a bit of a weird um, sort of foray into kind of 80s 90s sort of garage really retro analog pop right. um, and EMI it was called Rude Box oh yeah and his record label had no idea how to release this album EMI were like this is not Robbie Williams this is right but he was doing it to kind of honour his two album deal which he did with EMI which was at the time was the biggest record deal of all time 75 million Fuck. pounds or whatever it was and so um, we got approached um, so Robbie Williams's management company were trying to figure out how to release this album that they felt like no one was going to buy yeah and the very cool thing they decided to do which you just don't see happen much anymore mm. was they decided to take the money that they would have put into one standard music video mm -hmm. which would have been I don't know a couple of hundred thousand pounds they decided to take that money and um, divide it amongst multiple filmmakers to make short films to go with each track in the album oh, right. which is actually a really really cool idea and we were the first people they approached and they said is this something you'd even consider doing so have they seen what have they seen <laughs> they'd to seen go, these guys um, are funny they'd seen some bits and pieces we'd done um, you know George knew them and um, they just sort of said look have you got anything that could kind of work for this and George had written this script which I think at the time was called The Runaway which was the script which yeah. became Goodbye to the Normals and they got us into their management company and we sat around this table at, in the management company and they put on a white label of this album 
and we all sat around this table listening to this album just kind of nodding politely and um i was sitting there thinking oh god like I, none of this is music that we can yeah use not in a short film it's just it's whatever it is it's an experimental album and but then suddenly this one track came on that kind of felt kind of cinematic and had a kind of interesting feel to it and I said if we can have that track we can marry it with this script and the title of that track was Burslem Normals but the lyric was Goodbye to the Normals oh right and it kind of fitted with the with the script yeah and I said do we have to use the no spoilers can we use the instrumental and they said you can use whatever you want and anyway and then so that was how the thing got sort of funded as it were wow sort of micro budget but we we managed to make it work and then um, it was like the early days of YouTube right yeah and uh, it just by not by design but by not luck either because I think it it was good but like Mm. it just caught a wave because it was short because it had a kid it had a funny ending and a Robbie Williams song and a Robbie Williams song not taking anything away from you Um, (laughs) but this was in the time when you know pre-social media when people used to share YouTube clips by emailing links to each other I I mean I think that's we just needed to stop there it was fine we had emails and we had the we had YouTube it was fine but what happened is my this guy in LA was in a email list with a bunch of people one of whom was his dad who was a dentist in Florida and they were just a group of people sending each other funny clips and so this guy called Trevor who was a manager in LA got sent the short film by his dad who's a Floridan dentist saying hey check out this funny clip and Trevor this manager in LA looked at it and was like oh that's actually I can see that that's a proper short film halfway through doing someone's cavities yeah yeah. (laughs) hang on a minute and so he went off and did his research and sort of found out found us basically and then um, that was the kind of the first kind of... Um, That's bonkers. Yeah, it's, it's mad. I sort of talk about it now like it's normal, but it's not normal at all. And to cut a sort of very long story short, that was the that was the beginning of my sort of proper career, as it were, because then I suddenly was being asked to read scripts and be considered for, like, really big projects, when really I'd done nothing. I mean, it was Trevor that tracked me down one day and said, you know, it was like a rainy day and... London and I got a phone call saying oh my name's Trevor and I'm a manager in LA and do you want to direct feature films fucking hell and I was like yeah well. go on then but the thing is I didn't I didn't right. like, it wasn't the trajectory I was on so when he right. said it I was like um, I mean I basically sort of I didn't think it was a prank but I basically was like well this is just this bit, is just what bit, bit random say. bit too good to be what, true this is just what this yeah. is just what you'd say if that was your job right yeah so I was just like, oh yeah, sure, whatever, uh, maybe. Anyway, Very cool. but that was like the a big, cowboy. Yeah, maybe I do, maybe I don't. Maybe I just want yeah. to carry on doing maybe crappy stuff for no yeah. money. Yeah, it's raining here. Yeah, what are you going to do about that? Um, but yeah, that anything was the, about butter? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was the spark of it, basically.
That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, but so that's that, what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, I know you got to be good and you got to crack on, but no one really knows the bit where the bit comes from that is. It's sort of like a little bit of luck that's sort of a little slingshot that puts you on a higher yeah, but floor of the get, building. And you only get, you only get. it's not luck, but lucky timing. Yeah, you only, timing. You, yeah. you only get that yeah. if you're constantly doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got to create oh, you, the luck. People say to me, oh, you had a lucky break there, and I, I did. Yeah, I but did, everyone, I, should, everyone but needs that bit. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you, that's, you've you're got to look. get the lucky break unless you're, you're chipping away. It's knocking on doors until the right one opens. Yeah. And, and, uh, and for, I recognise that for some people, they might mm, be mm. incredibly talented and they might be knocking Thank away you. for a long time. Thank you. And for some people... Yeah, other people. <laughs> other people, they might be mm. untalented. Hard to work and with. And not trying. Yeah, not because cause I'm doing this. And they're saying, why am I not... Why am I not? Why am, why am I not, I not you? Anywhere? Why am I not you? <laughs> and what is? Why am I not you? Not that it's me, yeah. but like like whoever. It's a, it's a hypothetical you. Hy- hypothetical, not me. Yeah. It's like why can't he be this? Yeah. I don't mind. But then people will also go, oh, so that's what I need to do. Then I mean, I need to make a short film. It's like no, that's just the thing that was seen at that time. Yeah. That, that, that the thing is, that doesn't mean that everyone that makes a short film is going to have that moment it's basically just authentically carry on being creative and industrious and proactive yeah and uh if you know if if you if the right thing comes along uh good good luck yeah crack on you know but also but i think the hard bit is i've because i've I've had like lucky bits but then it's the the difficult one is um once once an opportunity comes up and then that happens what that can feel like and i know a lot of people in our industry who've had this right literally have a tv show made even two series of a tv show made or been in a quite a big movie or, or whatever and you just go fuck here we go like people will people will t- your brain or your ego might tell you this is it now yeah but it it quite often isn't i think the tricky bit and I can't say that this is anything to do with luck, but it's to do with really fucking constantly doing good work, playing the game, and knowing how to operate. It's like you've, you've like, you know, whatever, like, stags 12 years ago. No, mm-hmm. what, 12? At least, nearly, yeah, yeah. Nearly 12 years uh, ago, yeah, around, and you've yeah. done, like, loads of fucking cool stuff since. Yeah. I've got, we've, we've got other friends who yeah. may have had a TV show, and we, oh, that was fucking great. And then, yeah. you know, can't fucking... Yeah can't catch a fucking cod in the North Sea. Yeah. That's the wrong phrase, is it? I mean, I think a lot of people would find it hard to catch cod in the North Sea. Is there none there? No, there's loads there, but also the North Sea is huge. Yeah, and cods are only little. Yeah. <laughs> cods. Cods. <laughs> <laughs> They're only little cods. Um, but, yeah. you know. But you know what I mean. If, like, you, if you get... Sustaining we, Do you want to run with this, Matt? First? Yes, please. Um, so if you, like, got really good at fishing... And then did your research as to where the fish tended to be. Yeah. And then also hung out with the fishing community. Yeah. And, and like... Patiently, patiently. Work your way up from being a fish runner. Yeah. And, like... Or an assistant fisherman. <laughs> 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 yeah. Then, you know, you might get to a point where you're suddenly catching a lot of cod. And then someone's going to go, I like all them cods you put on the deck. No, but then what's going to happen is the industry's <laughs> going to say... We don't really want cod anymore. Well, that's that's what that's the bit yeah. where that's why I'm so angry. Right. 
That's one of like, the I thought you said you wanted cods, <laughs> and they're like, oh no, we're, uh, we're after coley at the moment. Yeah. And also, you're like, coley, that's like worse than cods. Yeah. Yeah, but we have to be seen to be, oh, you have to be seen yeah. to be not catching cods. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's loads of them. Mm. Yeah, but uh, the public think that uh, eating cods is wrong. And so. then you leave the meeting, and, and they're like, you're still right. calling them cods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you five know. times we've told you. <laughs> Oh, God. And then the next thing you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you think, I think I've got an idea about how to catch some haddock. Yeah. And you get up excitedly with your dressing gown on already. Because <laughs> you, you've gone to sleep in it. Because <laughs> you've fallen asleep in it. And then you're, you're at your typewriter. You're not wearing it. You're at your typewriter because it just, because of the sounds better than a, than a computer mm-hmm. keyboard. And you're typing away and it's just all haddocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the time and you if, finish, as long as you mean it, because all along yeah. that haddock's idea was in you, and I yeah. know they're called haddock, but come on. Um, I think if you like want to make a show about haddocks, then <laughs> then you should make a show about haddocks. I will. But I think the mistake a lot of people make is they think, oh, you know what people are really liking is shows about haddocks yes or mm. you know what's missing a show about haddocks yeah and or actually that haddocks show's good yeah uh, the haddock lady she's brilliant yeah. we need eight more of her yeah. it's like well there's only one of her yeah and, and you know there is definitely in commissioning there definitely is a bit of that there, of course oh, definitely, but by the time that you've realized that you're too late that's and, why i'm so angry and also you're going to be so you're not going to be happy making that no piece of work cause I'm not happy making it or not making you're it you're not making it because you like haddocks you're making it because yeah. you think other people like making haddocks yeah <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore but you're right in and some way and actually you know if what you really wanted to do was make a show about cods but you were worried that cods were unfashionable yeah, so you did a haddocks one you're better off actually making the cods show because yeah. at least you're happy making or that. write a cods book yeah and then someone will go hang on this should be a show exactly I think at the moment anyone tries to second guess any aspect of what we do, you're screwed because you can't. You can't. Totally. The bit. The problem with it is, is that the some of the members of the fishing community. Mm. <laughs> okay, we're really running with that then. Yeah. Okay. It just feels fun now. Yeah, yeah. And just for the for the uninitiated, it helps, it helps you say things that are more outrageous. <laughs> if you use the fish metaphors, we're going to get loads of like complaints from yeah. from. Uh, from the fishing board. John West. <laughs> the John West lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so TV executives. Yeah. Agents. Captain Birdseye. Producers. Captain Birdseye. <laughs> <laughs> Captain A... What's he called? Captain Ahab? He, right. I don't know. He's is that Moby, Moby Dick? Dick? Is he? Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, that is a piece of art, so you're now, now you're getting confusing. That's probably the biggest budget fish one ever. Mm, free Willy? What are you? No, hang on, Jaws. <laughs> yeah, Jaws. Anyway, getting lost. Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Finding Nemo 2. Um, Splash. <laughs> the man from Atlantis. But anyway, the people in the fishing slash gatekeepers of media, whatever, the people are actually trying to help because they're like, all right, we need to make stuff. They tend to say, oh, sorry, this has happened to me this year. We did a lot of work. Me and a friend did a lot of work on a comedy drama. Went through two iterations of writing treatments for months. 
and the person that was helping us develop it was being really lovely and helped us develop it and then someone said to that person oh we don't want that haddock anymore mm. it's we've gone back to it it's cods yeah and their feedback to us to try and help us get something made was they want cods now yeah and we had literally built the finest haddocks yeah. you've ever seen yeah and it's very very dispiriting it's not mm. just dispiriting you've also done all of that work for free here comes john west Hence, hence the fishing wars. Yeah. F- hence the fishing strikes. Yeah. Right. But what you then haven't got is the gumption for a while to go. All right. Well, what is it you said they wanted cods, and then you start again trying to think of an idea. It's just like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, That's really hard when you get into that part of the cycle. But the for me, the the, the positive thing, and it is inspiring seeing mates cracking on like you guys are fucking nailing it and doing well. It's just like. Look, if you, if you, if as long as you keep letting ideas come, and when you really know you mean it with the idea, you're willing to go right. Well, do do put the work into making sure someone knows you've thought of that. Yeah, because you never know when someone's going to go. Actually, this is fucking great. Come in and we'll have a chat. Yeah. And uh, I don't know whether anything will come of it, but I had such an idea recently with a, 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 another mate, and we've got a, a film pitch next week with something that even if it never happens I know for a fact it's a a good solid commercial comedy film idea so there's no way I'm going to grumpily ignore it because I'm like actually that it's something when you actually think of a good idea Mm. you can admit that some of the ideas you had before it were probably a bit bollocks have you ever had that? you must think of bad ideas sometimes oh yeah all the time I I just think you've got more chance of accidentally hitting the bullseye yeah. Than you have of um, sort of trying to like make an educated guess as to where the bullseye is. Yeah, and I think that's the I think that's the thing I see all the time is that someone will say to you, "Oh yeah, I'm writing this thing because I know that um, you know Channel Four really needs X," and you're yeah, like, yeah. "Have they told you that they really need that?" Mm. And even if they have, by the time that you've done it, mm. they've also said that to 15 other people. Yeah. So, And um, it takes so long to go through the process that yeah. by the time you put it on their desk, they're like, oh, no, he's opened a cheese shop now. He doesn't yeah. work here anymore. Um, it's Alex James from Blur. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Not just that it's all him. Yeah. But it often is. But do, that's another thing is that the people in those positions... They're always rotating and coming yeah, in and out of jobs of anyway. It's and also, like they're, you know, what you have to remember is they're trying to guess what is needed or is best at any given time too. So mm. it's not like there's a it's not like there's a hard target that you're missing all the time. It's a mm. moving target that you're missing all the time. And so that's why, you know, I, I just go back to like where we started doing stuff, mucking around, yeah, just doing Pure. whatever just doing whatever you think is good or f- or funny or dramatic or interesting or whatever you think is a fun idea. And with whatever means you've got available. Exactly. Like, it isn't like you need to be able to afford a crew exactly. and a record label gives you the money to make a short film. Exactly. You can, like, ideas are free, aren't they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, And if you've only got a phone, that's, at this point, that's some serious fucking kit. Yeah, I mean... A, a phone and a social media account. Yeah. Like you're off. Yeah, and, and and your problem is is that of course everyone has that. Um, but so so what's going to separate you is is the idea. You know anyone can any old um, any old 
uh, iron. What? <laughs> any old iron? <laughs> I was going to say any old twat can have a podcast, but uh, that's I felt, a shame. Like, felt like the wrong way to no, say. No, but it's true. Though. I got halfway through saying it, and then I no, but bailed on it. No, but it's no, but it's absolutely true. The difference is this is this is a good one. Um, is it? No, but that's the thing. Is it's on you to make the thing good? Yeah, that's yeah, all you can do. You don't get to choose whether it's some yeah, for you, whatever reason. You, you could have the best produced thing in the world, which sort of technically is very accomplished. But if it's not interesting, like when we started out making short films, we had to see a lot of short films because we were going to a lot of short film festivals and things like that. The thing I used to notice about short film festivals was that you'd see these short films and they would be beautiful, beautifully shot. You know, because someone would have called in every favour they yeah. they could, and it, they'd be technically very accomplished, mm-hmm. but they'd just be dull. Yeah. Or like no real un- idea, memorable, or yeah, no real idea, no hook, no journey. And then on the flip side, you'd sometimes see films where you're like, "Oh, that's a bit ropey," but it had a really great mm. actor in it, or a really great premise, or a really great <laughs> twisty yeah, like execution, twist. yeah, or yeah, something, exactly, and you yeah. sort of think. You know, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. And the that's the thing that's the free thing. as well. Yeah. The idea if, is the if thing. you've got an idea in your head that is like, okay, so there's a flying shark, you don't get many of them. I'm mm. gonna I've got a really funny idea about a couple on a beach having a picnic and then there's the funny incident with the flying shark. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't not have that idea mm-hmm. but you're not gonna go and film it. So like you might as well make a line drawing animation of that idea yeah. better than not doing it. Or audio, like I'm, mm. I, I, I started out making stuff in audio because I like have a little bit of a background in sound and music and stuff. And like one of the first things I made was a um, a radio sitcom pilot with Ben Wilbond called Did Deep you? Trouble, um, which I just we just recorded using like a laptop and a mic, mm. and I just figured out how to use the software and edited it myself. And Ben and I played like most of the characters, and then we got a few other mates to to come and be in it and then you know it was funny and radio 4 really liked it and then they commissioned a series there you go and made a demo basically they wouldn't have done it if we hadn't have made that proof of concept because it was 100%. quite a, it was set on a submarine it was quite a tricky sort of mm. thing to picture but we just you've got to take that bit away from people sometimes the bit where they go I can't quite see that or I can't quite hear that we'll yeah, take that totally away from agree. them Take totally away from and then say, "Well, I've done it." Yeah. And if you if you now don't like it, that's fine. But at least you're not turning it down because you don't have the vision to see what it is. The other thing is, and when you get a bit older and a bit further into your career, you stop having to do that bit. But, but you well, don't maybe not everyone. What what I would say is, at the moment, it's well, you never fun. have to fully stop doing it. Yeah, but but it's still you, wise. You don't have to do it from scratch. You know, to, to literally get your foot in the door in the first place, um, you right. still like you know. I still have to uh, when we're making projects. I still have to like show proof of concept on things, and you have to do it for yourself more than anything. Mm. Going like, is this actually going to work? You know. But uh, like where I'm personally at with uh, it's a strange moment because I'm actually really happy doing this, and right. I've I've had to basically think of other ways of being creative and cracking on to mm. make me happy. And to make me not worry so much about that, um, what was what felt like it was my job, which was like writing comedy, yeah, has thinned out so much that it's almost like embarrassing to say that that's my like. Some says, "What do you do?" I don't say anymore. I'm a comedy writer. Uh, it's just it feels like a, uh, I would go insane if I keep saying I'm a comedy writer when I'm not doing any comedy writing. I've had to find. I've had to work out a way. 
to go all the stuff we're talking about how hard it is to get made and second guessing and stuff not happening and whatever if you let that get to you you will just not want to have ideas anymore yeah. and you'll become sad and you'll be angry and you'll say I'm going to open a newspaper shop and yeah. stand there in a bad mood wearing uh, one of those waistcoats with loads of pockets tabard <laughs> is that a tabard? yep is it? I thought a tabard was like a dinner lady's pouch thing oh you're right uh, it's like a photographer's jacket thing. Yeah, isn't it? a fisherman's vest. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, them again. That yeah. lot. Yeah, they get So, if you, lots of pies. if you start thinking this, uh, the doors I've been knocking on, which is definitely the case for me, the doors I've been knocking on are like either like, oh, it's, it's just like all overgrown and there's like ivy there now, or they're sort of going, they're just not answering the door. Right. Or, but you can see that they're in. Or they're sort of going, oh, hi, yeah. Um, anyway, look, I can't talk to you at the moment. Can you come back? Never. And then shutting the door again. Mm. You could take that personally and get really down and all that. Or you can just sort of go, all right, I still love ha- having an idea and then trying to work out a thing I can now go and do yeah. that's got the same spirit in it as you doing that sitcom pilot yeah. now for me at the moment audio is, is the way that I yeah. think that I can it feels like I can control if I want to do something I can go and do it yeah and that's what you have to do is take back yeah, control take back yeah exactly not in a Brexit way but yeah <laughs> reclaim your artistic sovereignty well yeah there's a, that's a lovely way of putting it um, and I suspect that that attitude will raise the chances of those old doors not being as closed as I might be uh, I think, I think projecting that they are. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, just keep going, keep doing stuff. And Yeah, I think you can convince yourself that the world's out to get you. And, and uh, Is that and what everyone says about me? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in your case, we are all out to get you, so it's a bit awkward. I didn't think this conversation was going to stray into this area. But yeah, we are all out to get you, and we all meet and talk about you. Yeah. Um, but no, I think people do convince themselves that that has happened in some way or that there's some kind of giant conspiracy and it's like well Mm. not really it's just an incredibly competitive and fickle and mobile industry and artists who are by their very nature sensitive and insecure because literally that is why you can become an artist in the first place and why you might be good at being an artist is because you are vulnerable and emotionally intelligent and all all these things um (laughs) You can therefore convince yourself if you're not getting love, yeah. it's because you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that outlet is not currently available to you. And, and, and that's why you have to find as many outlets as you can. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's and that's it. It's the irony is this is the scariest, weird, dry spell for a lot of people in TV as yeah. well at the moment, right? That's another thing. Like, I don't. I'm not. I'm not using the word luck as a weapon, saying, "Well, you know, you're lucky at the moment to be busy." But just like anyone who's busy at the moment is lucky that they're yeah. busy because you could very easily not be. 100%. So that's that's amazing. But even with that, that is just again, it's just like, well, that's a fact. What what am I going to do about it? What am I going to do to mean that I still have a purpose or that there's still an outlet and. Mm. Um, going multi-podcast having a sort of business brain kicking into the podcast sort of realm thinking about other ways of trying to get people to get behind an idea Mm -hmm. 
and also doing all the stuff that makes me just inherently happy, like more music and a podcast about music and playing live and meeting other people who are creative to see what they do and all that. It's all 100% made me, despite it being like, it is quite weird to think, where the fuck has my job gone? Mm-hmm. But I'm actually literally happier than I have been in mm-hmm. years, including some of the busy bits of being a writer. Because, yeah. you know, I also like another observation, and this is another thing where you could say, I don't mean look like jammy, but if you are still enjoying doing this, Jim, when you've got, you work so hard mm-hmm. and you've got so many projects on, and even that's like great, you're like, you work your fucking ass off and you deal with all of the obstacles and the industry and the politics and just being knackered and it taking over your life and all that. If you still fucking love it, if you still love it, that in itself is like golden because yeah. I've, in the last few years, whilst moaning about not getting any work, I've been like talking to other friends who are in the middle of a writing a huge project and I've looked at what happening and god you know what i don't i don't wish i was yeah them at, at this moment because oh, yeah. they're they're being fucking yeah you can be work the mi- to the fucking you, bone and you, you can be in the middle of a project and be absolutely miserable even a yeah. successful project that's going relatively well it it, it takes a toll on you and uh, if you don't have other things going on even when you're busy in fact in fact maybe especially so when you are busy and quote unquote successful mm. that's almost the point where you need even more to have other things going on because anything can happen to that project at any time anything that can happen to you at any time and also you know creativity breeds creativity and if, I think if you can just switch lanes into something else it's really mm. really healthy uh, and what you're saying about talking to people as well I think it can, it can be quite an isolating job yeah quite an isolating career and then you know you're in you can be either in the bubble of success where you think oh i'm really successful and everything's going well or you can be in the bubble of failure and going oh it's not going well and actually both mm. bubbles are really dangerous places to any be bubble in. isn't isn't yeah. good really is it and actually the best place you can be is out in the open going okay well being successful is as rare as being a complete failure and actually most people exist somewhere in the middle but a lot of it... And the failures beget the successes and, and vice versa, you know. Yeah. But a lot of it appears to be who you're working with, who you're dealing with, and whether or not it's just like a happy environment and people yeah, aren't being Yeah, who you surround dicks. yourself with. Yeah, who isn't f- like, you know. Yeah. So we've all had people who are uh, working on a project that is like, they're so pleased to get it away and they're busy and they tell all their mates they're making a show and it's just like, you're so proud of them and it's amazing. And then you ask them how it's going and it's like someone's basically being very difficult with them or like the, the, the politics and the egos and the other people around it could be making it fucking hellish. I mean, I've had people in the last... In the last year, I know of two friends who have gone... Yeah, I'll, I'll walk. I've got a couple of friends who walked off their own projects... Because mm-hmm. it's become so unbearable, and it's like, yeah, just pay me, you know, pay me to be not here anymore. So that that's uh, that's part of what makes me like, Jesus, do I even do I even want to do that? If mm. if 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 it's like someone fucking with you and like people being mean and uh, yeah, so like if if you're managing to work, big win. If you're managing to work, 
and you've found people that you can go to battle with and uh, or that, that are good to have on your side, then that's like the fucking sweet spot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and there's a reason why there's a reason why people come back to working with the same people time and time again because it is you know it's gold dust when you find people that are good people that share your values and all that stuff mm. and you know unfortunately it means that you sometimes can be less open minded about working with new people yeah but but, but when you do find people they become like handholds of like yeah well like it's trust isn't it yeah yeah, I think it's. I, I would say to anyone who's like new getting into the creative industries, I say this. I mean, maybe I just sound like an old fucking fart. Like even if I'm watching like young musicians or comedians, or whatever, and you sort of have a chat, and or when I did a bit of like, um, like I did a short film screenwriting class mm-hmm. early in the year, and I just. Um, when talking to people who then want to like catch up again, can I ring you? Can you reread my script again? On any any creative industry, I I always make the point that go into this thing because they go into it going, what do I do now to to make my movie? And it's like, okay, well, it isn't just that. It's like it's a long road, and the main thing I I like to tell people is to sort of like crack on being creative, but really pay attention to the people part of it. And like when you find people that you know are reliable and that understand you and that won't fuck you about and like fucking hang on to them for dear life, mm-hmm. don't don't be surprised if thirty forty percent of the people sound like they're your friend and they want to help and then it's like it goes south. But then also don't like get angry and then give up because that happened. Yeah. It's like it just is a shark pool. Yeah, well it's, it's just it's that it's, it's also got nice fish in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's business. Thank you. By the way, that would happen in any other industry. Well, yeah, that's exactly. the thing. It's just that, like I say, artists are sensitive. But like, if you decide you want to open a food truck, yeah, you, you're getting into an incredibly tricky and competitive market where you're subject to market forces, and yeah. you know you're subject to cost of living, and you're subject to um, the whims of of like what's trendy and what's you know mm. what's in and what's out, and mm. you know the cost of things, and you know. It's the same in any 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 business at all. I just True. Think, I just think that uh, people that work in our business are yeah. more sensitive yeah. naturally, and they don't like thinking about business. No, and no know, art people like the word it, business. And it's sort of and it's sort of almost taboo to even refer to the business side of the business. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh well, you know, and that's that's how artists end up getting subjugated, and that's why the strikes happened this year because. There's this thing of like, well, you should just be lucky to to have a commission or be working and yeah. what, and don't complain about yeah, y- yeah. you know what you you are or aren't being paid, and that's how people get into a position where they are being exploited a little bit. Mm. Um, but it's it 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 plays both ways because um, you know if you do approach it as a business, that's also not going to work either. So, th- but that is the sort of that is the central paradox that you have to deal with. Yeah. It's art meets business. I also remind myself regularly when I'm feeling sorry for myself that uh, I'm not an ambulance driver. Yeah. You know? It's like if you're sulking because no one will let you have a TV show, it's a bit of a stretch, isn't it, to expect that from life? Yeah, you need to have a word with yourself. Well, I am doing, I'm trying to. (laughs) Well, let me get a word in. Yeah, I've got a lot of my family work in the NHS, for example, and 
you do have to sort of occasionally take stock of what you do and realise that, you know, when things are going well, we are rewarded for what we do mm. financially. And when things aren't going well, we get sort of not penalised, but, you know, mm. you're, you're, you're sort of living from from job to job or whatever. And, mm. you know, there are people that do jobs that are wildly underpaid teachers yeah. and doctors and nurses and genuinely useful to society and genuinely useful to society and they don't get paid any more or any less mm. based on how many people they are or aren't helping yeah you know um and uh yeah i think it's yeah. as you say like and they don't get like the golden globes no and like magazine articles about how amazing they are yeah shot by a photographer it's yeah. like it's weird isn't it we do lionize i mean i understand why and that it's nice to have something to come home to and watch. I think entertainment's very valuable. I mean, we were chatting in the pub the other week with uh, our mate Jason Hazley, who I write with, and we we were getting you to tell us all about the flight sequences in Hijack. Yeah. And it's like one of the coolest things I've ever heard a mate say when you go <laughs> and tell us about that bit of work. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, that was that must be a moment where you're like to get some stuff photographed you are like directing literal airplanes yeah. and yeah, yeah. whatever how many craft were involved in that like when you were uh, I mean it's definitely the biggest yeah there was a day on hijack which I think was the biggest probably the single biggest filming day of filming that I've ever been involved with where we um, we had an Airbus up over uh, the sea and we had um, three camera planes filming it camera planes uh, is a good word camera isn't it? ships they're actually called bizarrely even really? they're in the sky um, three camera ships filming it um, and you know the cost and the logistics and the, everything that quite nerve wracking not being funny because I know you're good at what you do but there must be the odd moment where you go Jesus, Jim, don't fuck this up. There's literally the four. In, you know, there's four fucking planes in the air, yeah. and you're in charge. Yeah, that's a bit. I mean, that's a bit heavy. That. Yeah. Although, I, what I always have to remind myself is that you know I'm not actually flying the planes. For if if you sit there thinking, yeah, I'm responsible for all this, you will literally go mad because a you're not, and have a word. You know what I mean? Like you're not responsible for it. You are um, part of a group of people that are responsible for it. Yeah, but there's um, something funny in my mind about, like, how you... I know you can direct and you can try and... You know, you choose someone that you feel can take direction, like an actor, mm. and then it's like, I'm not, they're not quite getting what I want, and then you've got to try and get that across yeah. without making them uncomfortable. That, with someone driving a, an Airbus, yeah. that feels to me like a, a, a step above. <laughs> yeah, could just keep it small, and could you... Yeah. <laughs> once more time... You know, w- one more time with feeling. <laughs> Just could you just fucking no, the third time I've said this now, but would you just <laughs> when you loop quicker. the loop, could you just loop a bit of a smaller loop? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else to say Making it. Making a bit of a breakfast of it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And it is like when I, yeah, it's when, definitely a pinch yourself moment. And I have those on every job. And you know, one of the things we get to do as as uh, filmmakers is to is to see into places that most people don't get to see into. So yeah, when yeah, we're looking yeah. for locations, we get to go and see things that you know most people wouldn't ever get to see and yeah if that's you, fucking you, cool you forget it? how you forget how um how much of a privilege that is sometimes yeah just like a like, day when you're in a fucking castle for whatever yeah, reason you're like on wow the roof of a building in central london that no one has access to and you're yeah. like 
you know, you're just having a chat with your mate who's on the scout with you about what you're going to have for lunch or whatever. And it's mm. like, hang on a minute, we, you know, we get to do these in- immensely privileged things. And uh, yeah, th- there are definitely those pinch me moments. And there are also, there's the opposite, as you've alluded to before, there are the moments where you're like, this absolutely sucks. Mm. You know, freezing getting, cold, freezing fucking cold, been up, up since four getting, in the morning. Yeah, getting up at four in the morning and, you know, doing insanely long days. You know, it's a real problem in our industry. The hours is a, is a oh, real yeah. problem. That seriously is it, the... It's, it's, anyone listening to this thinking, well, this all sounds very nice, Jim. It's mm-hmm. like, especially crew and makeup yeah. and people like that, like, honest to God, the fucking hours these people work. Yeah, it's insane. For months at a time and then... When that job finishes, maybe they'll have a bit of time off. But really, if there's another thing happening, they're going to jump onto that because it's work. Yeah. But you're, when you're an actor, I mean, you sometimes have to come in pretty early if you're an actor. Mm. But when the actor arrives, like all the other people are already there, fucking getting yeah. everything ready. Yeah, yeah. And then the actor jumps in a car when they've wrapped. Mm-hmm. And everyone else is still there yeah, till the end. And yeah. it's like... The, the, the crew hours is a real problem and it's mental. something that we're trying to improve but it's still really really problematic and it's all based on time and money right so yeah but people it, are like built for it as well right because yeah, it's like it's yeah. almost like people SAS up, or army people, people are up for it that's the thing I like, just people can't are understand it, how they sustain it um, it's not healthy yeah it's not healthy um, but yeah people people it's like it is like the army people it's the, I, I describe it as the circus yeah it's like a travelling yes. circus yes and um people like the hustle and they like the craziness of it and they like the fact that it's it is a unique job you know it's it's really not really yeah, like there's a camaraderie else. and yeah. there's, there's a there's a sort of uh, a privilege to it yeah but also like not in a nasty way but if you go a, away for a summer and you're with all those people for three months yeah. you never forget that summer oh, yeah it's incredibly and a, a, a shoot can be like that right yeah yeah like on hijack you know we shot for most of uh, it was across about nine months. Um, mm. We shot for 120 days. Um, and Always in the air. Constantly in the sky. <laughs> yeah, just right, refueling. Never, yeah, just yeah. refueling. Um, and everyone, as a result, bonds like crazy because yeah. you're just jammed into a mad space, yeah. like trying to make this thing work every single day. Mm. It's just, pro- it's just pro- filmmaking is just problem solving all day long. It's all you're doing is problem yeah. solving. How do we do this? How do we do this? How can we make this work? Why is this not working? That's all you're doing all day long. Troubleshooting. Mm. Troubleshooting story, troubleshooting technical issues, troubleshooting personalities. Mm. Are they the hardest ones? Personalities. Mm. Sort of vanishingly rare, I'd say. But it can still still rear its head. The problem person is vanishingly rare. Um, The problem person professionally is is vanishingly rare. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You I know. think you know you're gonna, in every in every job you're going to have personalities, right? Yeah, it's just humans. Mm. But uh, the film industry has, I'd say, the sort of the era of the, um, the sort of Christian Bale the, rant or the yeah, fancy diva. Pr- it's, or pretty, the it's pretty rare. I mean, there's there's always vestiges of it, but. Um, I mean, I'm a total dick, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Yeah, I mean, I know that just from and, this. Um, <laughs> um, it's probably the worst 90 minutes of my life uh, sorry I'm and sorry I don't, I don't I know how I get this sorry. back thank god for the background noise because yeah. at least people have got something to there's a lovely heron that's just landed over there can you see that sounds sounds like a football bouncing but um, not his fault 
Oh, look, look we're in a right little vista here, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. Look at this. Let's just describe the All scene right. again, because I think we, should, we can wrap this up now and maybe go for a pint again. Well, Are you hungry? Uh, yeah, I'm sure. hungry. Okay. Over on our left, we've got a gentleman who's set up a tripod and he's painting. And he's, what he's painting is the bridge with the yeah. sun behind it. Yeah. And we'll go over and have a look. Yeah, go and have a look. So and, take um, a picture of it if he'll let us. And then sell it. Yeah. That's sell it art. for more money than yeah. he's painting. Yeah, that's art. And then we've got a couple of people parked up next to us here. Um, Can't tell whether they're asleep or reading, but... Yeah, I was vaguely worried there for a sec. And then we've got... Uh, you've got your footballers. You've got your kid in his um, Mbappe top, yeah. France top. It various, couldn't be more idyllic. Various sort of low-level dogs. Yeah, there's a lot of low-level doggery. Doggery is different from dogging, by the way, just so you know. Good. Um, yeah, very nice. I think it's time for a little riverside pint. Yeah, sounds good. Jim Field Smith, thank you very much for joining me on Stupid Hearts Club. And thank you very much for joining me on anything I've heard of. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> Remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I- I'm, I'm one. <laughs>